Merkel Media. Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Sean Chris, Joel Thomas, and a high-stakes Texas Hold'em game with Bigfoot Chupacabras of the Mothman. I'm ready to go, baby. You got no idea because I've got like two dogmen right outside, man. They're sliding me a couple extra cards, man. Bigfoot's looking at me kind of weird, man, but they're sliding through a portal underneath the table. Let's go, baby. Brat! Man, that dog man helping you out, man. A little cheating, but hey, that's good though. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm all about dog man helping me out. Everybody hates on dog man. Dog man's here to help me. He's just sliding stuff, sliding stuff over, man. He's the new Bigfoot. He's the new Bigfoot, bro. It's a, you know, like the new 30. He's a new Bigfoot. Dog man's a new Bigfoot. But you know how we like to get everything out in the front. So until further notice, before killthemockingbirds.com is fully constructed, you can go hit up Telegram, Kill the Mockingbirds, or Instagram, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast, or follow Vantessa Music or Sean Chris Music on Instagram as well. Yeah, man. And today. Because you already kind of got a little bit of, y'all know what's up, we're about to get into some cryptids, about to get into some portals, about to get some craziness, some paranormal today, and we got somebody to help guide us down the craziness. We have Jessica Jones, not the Marvel character, but we got Jessica Jones here. The Cryptid Huntress. We've really been looking forward to this because you know how we like it, Sean. We love to get into the cryptid stuff, the paranormal stuff. You know, we, we go geopolitical too, but you know, we like to get in the weird. We, yeah, we like to get in the weird stuff. But how are you doing today, Jessica? Hey, y'all. I'm doing great. How are y'all? Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. We're jacked uh, to have you on here. Uh, if you can, let everybody know up front what you do where to find you, all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm Jessica Jones, a.k.a. the Cryptid Huntress. I am a longtime Bigfoot field researcher, which turned into just an all-over, all-around paranormal field researcher. Because when we got out in the field, we were looking for Bigfoot. We ran into aliens, dogman, portals, UFOs, whatever, whatever's out there, orbs, you know, uh, it pretty much covers all of it. So, um, but I, I've been doing that since 2011 in the field on three different teams here in the South. I'm a Southern girl. Um, I actually have, uh, as of the past year or so, I'm, I'm a weekend host at Spaced Out Radio. I have a show there called Off the Trails, where I bring in the biggest and best in the cryptid field res- or research field. And uh, and people that have had experiences and things like that. Uh, I also have my YouTube channel. It's the Cryptid Huntress, uh, where I have a couple of live shows every week where I'm not only am talking about cryptids, but I am doing. I do a show every Thursday night on remote viewing 
paranormal attacks, like dogman attacks, alleged Bigfoot attacks, you name it, I cover it. Um, and, and the remote viewing thing, we'll get into that later uh, this episode, but I, um, I was trained in remote viewing. Uh, we, we can get into that uh, by the head of my Bigfoot field research team, uh, who is one of the world's best remote viewers. And, uh, and so I've been training in that for a long time. I'm able to take a very unconventional approach to the paranormal research that we do out there in the field. That's awesome because Sean and I are of the belief and even with the team that I go with out when we go out that the paranormal, um, cryptids, uh, all of these high strangeness is all connected, right? A lot of people get really cut and dry with cryptids and saying that, you know, they're flesh and blood, which I completely agree with that aspect of it. But I do think that there's this whole metaphysical aspect that plays a part into a lot of these things too and this whole paranormal piece too and it seems like that you're very on board with a lot of that which is really cool we like people that are very open-minded to come on the show and break it down also jessica you and i are from the same area surprisingly we were talking about this uh, before we got on here and i can tell you the area that she's in there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on there i, I grew up in the mountains up in north georgia uh you're not that far away from where i grew up so for sure i can vouch for her. i know <laughs> that there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on uh up in that area around the smoky mountains and everything else absolutely uh, you know i do research all over the south and uh, the place with the highest concentration of Bigfoots is North Georgia in the North Georgia mountains. Also, we have a lot of other high strangeness, like you said. Um, I recently looked into a couple of different cases of cryptids up in Northeast Georgia, which is a little, little further, or not Northeast, Northwest, I guess you say. And uh, one of the places I actually did uh, some research with my team back at, it was like 10 or 11 years ago. I've been in this for a minute. Uh, a place called Corpsewood Manor up there, uh, a.k.a. Devil Worshippers Mountain, where there are reports of dogmen, werewolves, orbs, uh, all sorts of weird stuff going on up there. It's right by a battlefield called Chickamauga Battlefield, where a major battle of the Civil War was fought, where 34,000 men died over a span of three days up there. Uh, there was actually a cryptid they called Old Green Eyes that was seen out on that battlefield eating dead bodies, okay? And uh, and it's something that uh, I actually remote viewed that thing, okay? And did a show about it not too long ago. Uh, but we've, we've got some interesting cryptids up there in North Georgia. Yeah, we have like a lot of Bigfoot out here. Uh, I always hear in Michigan, like, it seems like there's a lot of Bigfoot, but not too much other, a little bit dog man. But um, it, like you said, Georgia, down south and like Ohio, and like, it seems like the more down you go, there's a lot more activity or like Tennessee's pretty hot spot too. It seems like there's a lot of weirdness in Tennessee. Well, with the, your remote viewing, right? Like what... Did you know that you had, because we had a couple of remote viewers that we've uh, had on the podcast as well. And I'm always curious to like, is it something that you uh, kind of had already that you didn't know what it was, like a skill that you already kind of knew about, but you kind of just needed someone to develop it and nurture it kind of thing? I had no clue what remote viewing was. I never heard of it. I didn't know what the hell it was. My uh, The head of my team, you know, uh, if you'd like for me, let me rewind a little bit and tell you guys how I got into this field, okay? Uh, because it's an interesting story, and uh, and it leads up to how I became a remote viewer. You know, I was actually embarrassed to tell people I, first of all, was a Bigfoot field researcher for years. I didn't go public for 10 years on my research. 
Um, but it was even harder coming out as a remote viewer, okay, because I got, I, I've caught a lot of slack from that. I've, I've had a lot of pushback, um, a lot of people saying, you know, saying terrible things about me when I go on other people's shows and stuff like, oh, she thinks she knows everything, you know, like, I don't know anything, okay? And if you know me, you know, I don't know shit, okay? Excuse my language, but uh, I mean, I do, but, you know, I, the more I'm learning and the more research I could do, the less I really know honestly. Okay. Um, so let's, let's rewind back to 2011. All right. My mom told me, she was like, Hey Jess, um, I'm going to this meetup on Wednesday night and they're having some Bigfoot field researchers there from North Georgia. I think you'd really love to go with me and hear what they have to say. And, uh, and it was one of these, uh, meetups where it was like every Wednesday night, uh, a group of, mostly older people like my mom's age, you know, would go and they'd, they'd have speakers that came in that talked about ghosts, the metaphysical, gold and silver, survival skills. I mean, whatever. Magicians would come in. I mean, it was like a variety show, right? And, uh, and so my mom was like, hey, you know, we're going to Mr. Sam's. Uh, come with me. Uh, you can come here about Bigfoot. She knew I was into it, right? Um, I had grown up seeing ghosts and stuff. And I knew uh, I'd always been interested in like UFOs and Bigfoot and monsters of all sorts. Uh, and so she was like, come on. So I went and these gentlemen were there from this group called Enigma Research Group. Okay. And, uh, and there was, there were like three of them there. They had a hardcore evidence of Bigfoot. They had the tracks, they had the, the prints, they had, um, you name it, they had all these pictures. They knew what they were talking about. And I was like, wow, um, super cool. So I, I was like holding my hand up and asking questions. You know, I went to them after the thing was over and I was like asking them like, okay, where's the poop? And why have you never found a body of Bigfoot? You know, and those are like the two questions that people ask me all the time. So um, it's it's typical stuff you just want to know. And uh, And they saw that I had an interest in it. And so one of the guys was like, well, hey, we're having an expedition in November or October. Why don't you come join us? And I was like, oh, my God, uh, sure. I'll go hang out in the woods with some strange men, you know, whatever. But I don't know. Um, but I, I said, okay, well, why not? Right. And uh, and I kind of like went with my gut. And I know my friends thought I was crazy. And my mom thought it was kind of cool. Um, but I, I joined up with their little email group and whatever, and uh, and and they sent me a list of things that I needed to go camping with them and stuff. And a, like a month or so later, I I had bought a tent, I bought my hiking boots, I bought a backpack, I bought all the camping gear I needed. I bought or I borrowed it from my friends, and uh, and I. I took my little Volkswagen Passat. I can't even believe I drove that up into the mountains. <laughs> drove it up in the mountains, and. Um, I went car camping, uh, basically, at this uh, place up in the North Georgia mountains with this group of guys. And they had brought in some other people or whatever. Just to, I think they were kind of feeling out like they wanted to expand their team. They're trying to see, like, who who was a good fit. And uh, and I went up there. I was gung-ho, y'all. I was like, all right, I'll be bait. <laughs> if y'all know what bait is. Yes. Um, I'm generally bait on I, all the I trips just, I'm on. <laughs> I love being bait. I love it. You get you get so much action, you know. Um so I went out there, I met everybody and uh, set up my camp and, uh, and, I, and I said, hey, I put me in the worst situations <laughs> that a girl could be in. I was like, I just want to, I want to go out there. I want to experience it. If Bigfoot's real. I want to experience it. Okay. And, uh, and so 
they were like, all right, cool. Let's go make her bait, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I did. And, and the first night that I was out there, it was wild. I mean, not only did we have Bigfoot activity that first night that I was out there, we had UFOs flying over our heads. Okay. Um, low flying UFOs and stuff. Um, it was, it was way beyond my expectations. I, cause I went out there not expecting anything. I was expecting uh, a fun camping trip with some strangers and uh, it turned into me being here on your podcast at this very moment, talking about my Bigfoot experience. Okay. So um, it was life changing. And um, I mean, the, from the very first time I went, I was, I was bait that first night. Uh, I was with a, 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 we divided off into small teams and I went out with some, uh, some dudes and they, they kind of dared me to like walk up this field, um, where I would, it was, it was like about the length of a football field. Okay. Uh, up to a tree line up this hill. And we didn't have a name for it today. We call it UFO field. Okay. Uh, but back then it just was like a field number one, right. Is what we called it. And, uh, and the guys, they all had their FLIRs, their thermal imaging cameras and everything. And they said, I dare you to walk up to that tree line by yourself. So, um, I was like, all right, cool. I'll do it. You know? And, uh, and I put on my little backpack and I, just, I put my big girl panties on and I took a deep breath and, uh, and I started walking up this hill and I knew they were watching me, you know, with their cameras and everything. So I knew that I'd, I was safe for the most part. And these are not like your everyday, just normal Joe Schmoes. These are like former military guys, current military. The guys on my team are like firefighters, policemen, Department of Defense, whatever. Like that we they're I was in good hands. OK, so I was not scared. Um, well, I was a little scared. <laughs> OK, but um, but I, I started walking up this hill and I got about halfway up this hill and I heard one of the guys running up behind me full throttle. Like I could feel it. I could you know, I'm, I'm very intuitive. You know, you asked earlier about my abilities. I have, I've always been very intuitive. OK, and uh, my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, very psychic. Right. But I never put a name to it. You know, we just we just know things. Uh, but I felt the energy of somebody running up behind me. And I thought, man, that's so unprofessional of these dudes <laughs> to like run up behind me to try to scare me. Right. And uh, and as they got closer, I braced myself for impact because I, I played rugby and stuff, you know, in college. And I know when I'm about to get hit. Okay. And, uh, and I felt like somebody was about to hit me. And as I kind of stopped in my tracks, whatever it was, whoever it was, uh, swept my legs out from underneath me and kept going. Uh, but there was nothing there. Okay. Nothing. Uh, I felt it. I heard it. Uh, I, I kind of jumped up in the air and, um, I lost my balance for a second and I immediately looked around to make sure, well, I thought it was one of the guys, there was nobody there. So I made sure there was not like a log or a stick or something where I had tripped. There was nothing. Uh, so I thought, okay, that was really weird. <laughs> okay. So what do I do? Like, I don't want to look like a baby. <laughs> I'm not going to like go running and screaming down the hill. I'm just going to keep going forward. Okay. I'm just going to keep moving, keep it moving. I did. And so I went up to, I started walking up to the tree line and eventually somebody did walk up behind me to make sure I was okay. Cause they'd see me like kind of jump. They thought something was wrong with me. So, uh, but, but as we were standing there, one of the guys down at the bottom of the hill was looking at through his FLIR camera and saw like a Sasquatch peek out from behind a tree right in front of me. 
and I couldn't see it because I didn't have I didn't have any kind of imaging device or anything on me. So, um, but yeah, it was it was very interesting. So we knew there was a lot of activity there. Now, what that was that ran up behind me, I have no idea. Um, it could it have been a cloaked Sasquatch, perhaps. Absolutely. Could it have? I, I mean, that's the only explanation I have. But um, but I don't I don't say it like as gospel. Like that was a cloaked Sasquatch for sure. You know. Um, but it was it was very odd, very strange. Well, night number two, we decided to go back up to that field, and uh, and I had one of the the founding members of that team uh, was with me, and I I decided you know put me in some weird predicament again. I want to do this again. It's fun, right? Um, so he and I went out around three in the afternoon. We set up camp basically like we 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 were dressed in all camo. He might have had a ghillie suit on. You know, and uh, we went, we got in the tree line where that Bigfoot had peeked his head around the tree. And uh, the the goal was for us to like go out there early, um, sit and blend in with the environment. Right. And then around eight or nine o'clock that night, the whole team was going to come out, sit in the middle of that open field and be loud and obnoxious. OK, that way a Bigfoot could walk up from the tree line and step on top of me and my partner. OK, and we'd be able to see the Bigfoot. That's what we thought, at least. Okay. Um, so we sat out there all night. It was such a long day and night. It was so crazy. Uh, and we were, you know, I had my EVP recorder on and I was recording the whole time, pretty much after the sun went down, at least. And uh, we were out there, you know, waiting for the team to come out. And we were both getting kind of like tired, which was odd because we weren't really that tired. Um, we started noticing our equipment was malfunctioning. Okay. Like my... Equipment was going forward an hour. His was showing the time was backwards an hour. It was like really odd. Uh, we started noticing lights in the sky. One very bright light, like a big orb on the side of the mountain right in front of us. And it was moving linear, like in a horizontal line. And it was going back and forth across this mountain. We were thinking, well, there's no trail there. Okay. There's like nothing that's straight across like that. Um, but, you know, your rational brain wants to think it's something that's just normal, like headlights on a car, you know, or somebody with a lantern walking through the woods, you know, but this was not that. There's no trail that goes in a direct line like that. And uh, so we we thought that was really odd. We were seeing like you like lights in the sky that were moving in triangular shapes and stuff like just it was odd, very odd. Um, and. When I went back and listened to my recording, okay, we didn't hear this with our own ears, but there were, it sounded like bottle rockets were going off all around us in my recording. Like, pew, 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 pew. Around the same time that our equipment had started malfunctioning, okay? And, uh, and so, not only that, the team came out that night and they sat around in a circle and they were like, being loud and singing and just having fun. And some of the guys were like trying to make Bigfoot calls off into the woods, you know, just to act like we're over here while me and my partner were like over here hiding. Um, first of all, I got to tell y'all, you can't fool a Bigfoot. They knew we were out there. <laughs> they knew we were out there. We were, you know, we were doing it anyways. I mean, you don't have to wear camo in the woods. They know you're there regardless if you're wearing camo or bright pink. Okay. Um, we've learned that now. <laughs> okay. But, um, but while we were sitting out there in that little spot and the team was out there, they were seeing these red lights in the tree line and they thought it was us. Well, that was about 10 feet from where he and I were sitting. Okay, so it wasn't us. Um, a lot of weird stuff went down that night. 
uh, we were out there till about midnight or 1 a.m., I guess. And uh, we got back to camp. We were we were both feeling weird and feeling odd, uh, like something had happened, but we couldn't really put our finger on it. And uh, and that was around the time the head of our team was like, something happened to you guys. You, everybody on this team needs to immediately start reading up on alien abductions, is what he told me. I told our whole team that. Uh, he gave us a list of books to order and to read, okay, on alien abductions. Um, now, here I am. Uh, a little lady from Atlanta. I lived in downtown Atlanta or De I lived in Decatur actually at the time. And uh, I worked for the, you know, I, I had a really good job. You know, I was working for the government. I was a director of an agency, state agency for women and stuff. And I didn't tell anybody that I was out bigfooting. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. Uh, but here I am potentially had been abducted by aliens out in the field while I was on my first bigfoot excursion. <laughs> Okay. Um, and so that, it, it kind of spiraled from there in a, in a good way, honestly, but, um, but it, it was really odd. Um, so I, so, but around that time too, he said, okay, well, I think also I need to teach you guys remote viewing. It's important so that we can look into incidents like what you, you guys went through out there because we don't know what happened, but hey, we can Jessica, find out. I want to ask you a question okay. real quick because uh, you were talking about being in the mm -hmm. woods and possibly being abducted. So what were the telltale signs that you were abducted? Because listen, this isn't something that I haven't heard of before, where mechanically things go wrong, watches are going backwards, forwards, time seems like you're almost in a time lapse, you're not really there, but you're there. You know, what was it that when he told you to look into these books, to look into your time in that moment, what was it that now, now where you are in life and looking back on it and with all the knowledge that you have, go back to that moment now and, and tell me like what it was that was, that made it feel like that maybe you were abducted, that maybe you weren't there or maybe you were taken away or maybe in a different dimension or whatever. Yeah. Well, I knew that something had happened because I knew inherently I could feel it in my gut that something was off. Okay. And now is, I'm not saying like I'm spiritually advanced in any kind of way now, but I have done a lot of spiritual healing and stuff over the years. And, uh, and I've been on this, that, that really did spark my spiritual journey basically. Okay. It was Bigfoot and, uh, and having these experiences out in the field. But uh, it was just knowing inherently that something had happened. Uh, it was me knowing that I, I kind of looking back on it and remembering, like, I kept feeling like I was going to fall asleep, like I was falling asleep. Well, when we went back and remote viewed it, because we did eventually, re we did remote view it. Okay. And, and there were a couple of guys on the team that were already advanced remote viewers at the time. And uh, we, we ended up, it, we were not abducted. Okay. So I, let me go ahead and state that now. We were not abducted that night, but we were accosted. <laughs> Okay, we were absolutely accosted by a being out there. Okay, in a in a craft, and uh, and and it was it, there's a there's a whole lot that goes with it. I mean, a lot happened out there, but we were not abducted that night. Uh, apparently, they, there's a whole lot of activity out there. First of all, and that's why those guys go and research this area over and over. We've been doing it for they've been researching it for many years, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it, we just knew that something had happened. Um, and plus with all the lights, the UFOs, the Bigfoots, um, we just, we just knew it. 
we knew something had happened. It kind of got me to uh, thinking because I just watched and I actually sent it to uh, Joel and Juan in our group uh, chat. I was talking about this movie I saw. It's called Valerian in the City of a Thousand People. It's like a 2017 sci-fi film. And I was just watching it randomly. And when I uh, was looking at it, uh, like it's basically like the premise is like humans get a, a, you know, spacecraft and all these different countries move to the spacecraft and then all these other alien life forms kind of. So it's this like thousand cities, all these different races of aliens and stuff live together. Well, anyways, later on, there's these fed agents that are like looking for something. And when they're looking for this particular thing that was stolen, they're in this planet and the planet looks like, like a desert kind of right. And they're like, well, there's also other humans that are like going on this, like, Hey, you know, come to this adventure, like a uh, something town, they call it. Well, to see the, what's really in that place, you have to have these special goggles on or be a human, which takes you to a different dimension. And it almost reminded me of that. So like you could, so when you had these goggles on, you could actually see like these, you know, different animals, aliens that were like you know crazy looking and it's but it was real though it wasn't like a 3d metaverse it was it was kind of interesting it was almost like a simulation theory slash with dimension hopping and it kind of reminded when you said that something came across you i know a lot of people talk about like cloak bigfoot but i was thinking like what if that spot is like a hot point for another dimension right like it is and you can't it absolutely see it is it's almost like we're, it's sort of like where the dimensions cross over and like you just have all this activity. Uh, it never disappoints. I was just there about two weeks ago and had more activity. We were surrounded by Bigfoots out there. And I took a good friend of mine, uh, my friend Robbie. He's on this podcast called DAX Machina Podcast. Uh, and uh, he met me up there when I spoke at the Georgia Bigfoot Conference up in North Georgia. And I took him to, I took him to one of those spots and uh Actually, it's the spot that I'm telling you all about. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and we were, we were a hundred percent surrounded by Bigfoots that night. And, uh, you know, for the normal person, I, I can't, I don't take anybody ever out to these spots because you really have to be of the right mindset to even handle this kind of stuff. Uh, and to be, to be ready for this because it's, it's otherworldly <laughs> to say the least. And, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know your power when you go to places like that. Uh, because you can feel very powerless yeah, no, for if you sure. don't. And I can relate to that too because, you know, I was just out on the West Coast and we were hunting Bigfoot, really in the area that Wes Germer had his uh, big Sasquatch run in. And uh, we were up in that area and we did get surrounded by what we believe was Bigfoot too. And it, it I think for me though, I hype myself up so much when I'm out there. They send me out alone a lot of times. So I, I go up there with night vision, whatever. Um, but it is a different, it, it, it is just, you have to have that right mindset when you're in that scope. I generally feel like that depending on, you know, what you're running across, they tend to know your, intentions um a lot of these cryptids do i i attribute it to gorillas a lot of times because i have a weird thing with gorillas especially uh at the zoos and stuff and i've told sean about this plenty of times and they'll actually come and hang out with me a lot the males will which is really weird um and then they'll leave when i leave so it's like a weird kind of communication thing that we have um but i i find that too when i'm out in the woods a lot of times things are drawn my way and maybe it's because i'm inviting it maybe it's because i'm, I'm not scared of it that's another thing and maybe there's something else there too that i don't know why that i have this connection with with those things because generally speaking i don't have a fear of them and i know people that even are on the trips with us that do that i'm not going out there right now man like you know what i mean like i want to deal with that which i understand like everybody's kind of got their thing i just don't think that 
I grew up around nature and I never was really like worried about that because my grandfather owned a lot of farmland and we lived in the mountains and I just grew up around that. And it was nothing for me to walk outside and see bears walking around outside of the house or, or whatever else. Right. So I think that connection early on, uh, helped me as I got older. And then when I started to get into this field of cryptids and all that, I totally agree with you. I'm just completely agreeing with you right now. I think it is a mindset when you go out there and you're trying to connect with whatever's out there. I think they they know too, whatever it is. And the mindset is Bigfoot, Dogman, Nephilim, they could catch these hands. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, they could catch these hands. If they... <laughs> I don't know. I never go out without protecting myself at all times. You know, uh, you know, and, and some people say, well, they're not going to come around if you got your a weapon on you. Well, that's bull crap. That's, they, they could, they they surround us no matter what. Uh, and it's, and it's a healthy dose of respect on my side and their side, you know, uh, it's like, and they do know when we're coming, they know that they know before you get there that you're about to be there. They do know. Uh, it's just like when you're like dogs can sense that as well. You know, like they know when you're coming home before you get there. Um, so it, it's all about telepathy and that, that's, that plays into the whole remote viewing thing too. You know, that's, that's partially why the head of my team decided it was time for us to learn remote viewing, uh, so that we can have mind control, okay, over ourselves, not other people, but over ourselves. And, and that plays into all the, the activity that we have is because we do have, we're able to control our minds. We are able to I'm not going to say we communicate with them every time, but we do. Okay. You can, we, we can, it's the telepathy aspect of it. Okay. It's the part of being on that frequency, that vibrational frequency. Okay. Uh, and, and it has a huge, a huge impact on the communication and, uh, and, and just, you know, being around the, the cryptids out there. Um, it, and yeah, I mean, uh, you, you can start communicating with them before you get there to let them know you're coming if you want, you know, and uh, and they'll be there. I'm not going to say I do, but I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. So, and I can tell you, I mean, I've, I've taken a couple of different friends up there who are Bigfoot field researchers and uh, and they've it's never disappointed. Not once. Uh, actually, they might have been scared. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Maybe not Robbie, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy it. But um, but yeah. It's and especially okay, and so getting back to the alien abduction stuff too. So when I started reading up on it, okay, I am I I guess you could say I manifest. I know the power of manifestation, okay, and uh, and it's something that I've learned that I have to control have and as part of the mind control thing too. Um, when I think of something, it manifests sometimes. Okay, uh, that's. I don't know what it is. It's just natural for me. Okay. And so I have to be very careful about what I think, uh, not having fear. Like I don't live in fear ever. Like I try not to, uh, because that manifests into your reality. You know, it's like watching like the first 48 all the time. Like I used to do, or like ghost shows. And, uh, and, until, until the first, for, the first 48 was fun to watch until it showed up on my street. Okay. And they were filming on my street that I lived on. And I was like, okay, I manifested that. <laughs> I, can, I can manifest in my house. Screw this. Okay. Um, but it's, it's all about the manifesting. Okay. And so when the head of my team said, okay, I want you to start reading books like The Threat, Communion, Secret Life, um, different books like that about aliens and alien reductions and things like that. I was reading them and guess what started happening in my house? I woke up with aliens in my bedroom. Literally twice. 
Um, and so, and, and had they always been coming into my house, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but at that point, I was not aware of it. And I think that I had gotten on that frequency of it. Do you think like tapping into that knowledge, right? It starts opening those doors, correct? And my question is too, uh, well, one, I want to know about the incidences of you seeing them for sure. That's it, it's always fascinating to me. And then two, um, what was it that you think that you unlocked whenever you were starting to read these books and, and open your mind up to that? You know, I, I'm definitely curious, you know, where, where you went with that. Yeah. Well, it's not something that I'd even thought of before. Okay. Um, I really hadn't because I didn't want my mind to ever go there. Okay. Like alien abductions. I don't know. Like, like I said, okay, so this is going to tie in. Like I'd been seeing ghosts my whole life. Okay. Where I'd wake up when I was younger and I would, there'd be people standing around my bed talking to me and their mouths would not move. Okay. So they were speaking telepathically to me and I could hear their voices, but they, they look like humans. Okay, uh, a lot of times wearing like Victorian era clothing. Uh, my brother passed away in a car accident. I've seen my brother at night when he, he'd come in my room and talk to me and stuff. Just stuff like that. Like I said, it's all going to tie back. So, okay. And they say that a lot of like aliens and stuff like that too come into a form or even like spiritual things that we can perceive, right? Like that, that our mind okay. can fit it in that box. Okay, so that's all I say. It's gonna, it's all gonna come full circle in just a second. So I'm, I'm waking up at night. I've been reading these books. This was not too far after, too long after I'd had all these experiences out in the field with the the ET, the UFO stuff. And uh, I, um, I was, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I think the first time there was two different instances. The first night I woke up, and there were two grays, like gray type ET, standing in my doorway. Okay. And, uh, and I know what I saw. It was not, it, it, I was not in sleep paralysis. It was nothing like that. I know what I saw. It was very real. Uh, leading up to that, like my, I have a son, a little, I have a kid. He's eight now, but at the time he was very young. Um, his toys were cutting on by themselves at night and like talking to us all the time. And I attributed that to maybe a spirit or a ghost. Okay. Uh, because that's all I knew was like ghosts, you know? Um, but yeah, I had those two, ETs in my room and very typically like I you see things like that and then you just kind of go back to sleep okay and it's it, not because I wanted to but I don't know if it was like the fear or they had some kind of power over me to put me to sleep I'm not sure what it is but um typically when I'd see a ghost or whatever I just I go right back to sleep after I see it um the second time it was not too too far after the two grays that were in my room. Uh, I woke up to what looked like the Grim Reaper standing by my bed. And uh, and it was a tall being that was as tall as my ceiling. Uh, it had on a, a, a hood and like a cape, like a black cape. It looked just like the Grim Reaper, but it had its hands up like a praying mantis. I could see its hands. And the way its body was moving, it wasn't human at all. It was very, you know, if you've ever seen the ET, I've seen, I've seen a couple. They don't move like humans or any kind of animal that we've ever seen. Okay. So it was very odd. And it took me a while to, for my eyes to adjust as to what I was looking at. And right after I finally realized what it was, I was like, oh, I think that's an alien. <laughs> you know, like there's something, it looks like the Grim Reaper, but the way it was moving was very odd. I fell asleep and I had a weird dream. Okay. Um, 
I woke up thinking, okay, that was really odd. I had dreamt that I was in the Wizard of Oz and, uh, and I was surrounded by the munchkins <laughs> and, uh, and they were telling me to stop beating up their mare, that I was beating up their mare and I was going to get in trouble. I was going to get them in trouble because I was beating up the, the person in charge, uh, which, which I thought was really odd. Um, to me, that could have been a screen memory of me, like beating up some aliens or something. I mean, I don't know, you know, um, I'd never had a dream like that hey, before. So let me ask you this about this praying mantis alien. Cause I, um, I got somewhere to go with that. So did you see, ever see its face? No, I didn't see its face. I only saw the, it had the hood on and it was like covering its face. I've talked to Grant Cameron. Do you know who Grant Cameron is with white house UFO? Um, I, I went on his show and, and he and I did an interview and he, he asked me the same thing. He said, did you see its face? And I said, no. He said, that's very common with the hooded aliens. You don't see their face. That's interesting. So the reason why I brought that up, um, I met a guy who had an experience with a praying mantis like gray, but it, it was smaller. And he said for two weeks he was driving this road and oddly enough, there was an owl in the middle of this road every time he drove by. Now, we all know our symbolism and kind of how that ties into the paranormal and how it can tie into, you know, wisdom and even with aliens a lot of times, because sometimes they may even manifest in that form of some sort of owl, or it's just like a precursor to what's to come, right? Which seems to be in this story was what's to come. So he's driving home because he drives home from work late every, every night, right? And he, like, Two weeks have gone by, he's going down, and all of a sudden all the electric in the car starts acting up. Now, the car's still running, but all the electric in the car is just fizzing out. So it starts going to a slow roll, and there is a three to four foot alien being standing in front of his car but it's praying manis like it had the arms like you said but he could see the head it didn't have a cloak and it was very praying manis like but almost like a mix between like if you took a gray and a praying manis and had them together right in front of the car so he said the car's still running though right so he's like putting it in reverse and he's like i'll get out of here he's like i don't know what this is but it was in literally the same spot this owl had been in every night for two weeks, uh, precursoring this up. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe what you saw was some sort of something that's related to what he saw in a way, because I have been hearing a little bit more about these praying mantis-like uh, alien forms that are showing up to people um, uh, that are involved. So I don't know if you've heard anything like that before, but it kind of just jogged my memory a little bit about this guy that I just met like a month ago. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and honestly, with all of my ET experience, the two ET experiences that I had in my home, this is in my home, y'all, this is really close, too close for comfort. Um, you know, we had, um, we also have ET experiences out in the field, okay, where we do our Bigfoot field research. We, we encounter light beings, orbs. I mean, I've seen a video of one of my best friends who does research with me. He has a video that he was given of a CCTV camera uh, by one of his best friends who, who was with MUFON, who passed away a, about a year or two ago. Angela Shear had this video, and, uh, and it is of orbs like metallic looking orbs that shoot down from the sky land on the ground and they turn into aliens and they run around this person's backyard they turn back into balls and shoot past the camera again 
Okay. And they, they, it is freaky, like freaky. It's hard to sleep after you watch that kind of video. Okay. Um, but I have seen so much weird stuff. A lot of, a lot of alien a lot of alien stuff, okay? And this is, I'm a Bigfoot field researcher, y'all. You know, I wasn't expecting all this alien stuff to show up. Um, but but it, but all roads lead back to E.T., is what we like to say, in, in some way. Um, so with all the ghosts that I was seeing, too, with even, you know, the... It, okay, I've got so much in my head right now. I'm trying to get it all out and speak eloquently. <laughs> I'm having a hard time because there's so much. Uh, but there's... Um, with all of the ghosts that I had seen, I, I look back on that now and I think, well, those were probably ETs, okay? All the times that I was seeing ghosts in my room, around my bed, uh, the same thing happened with the ETs. Now I think it was all ET, okay? Because uh, I don't know for sure. But um, but yeah, with the Grim Reaper, I mean, you got to think, the Grim Reaper, I call it the Grim Reaper, but it was an alien. And uh, how many times have we heard stories about the Grim Reaper throughout history? You know, being in like, Medieval times, there was like grim reapers seen in fields, you know, and stuff. Like, could those have been ETs? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when the grim reaper comes to get you, could it be a grim reaper or a praying mantis ET? I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, maybe it's all about perception. I mean, pe people also say right. ETs are I, demons, right? See, it, yeah, no, so no, you're getting in our wheelhouse big time. So, so, uh, uh, we tend to, I, I tend to think that angels slash fallen angels, whatever you call it, both sides of it are, are ETs because it's all extraterrestrial. I don't know how our minds perceive it, right? So at the end of the day, I think it's the same thing. You know, Sean always jokes. He's like, aliens, angels. He's like, I kind of feel like they're the same thing. You know, we always say that. So yeah, I think there's validity to that for sure. And you went the demonic route too. Like, it's hard to say exactly. It's definitely something that's out of our perception to understand exactly what's going on. Um, you know, you can't put your finger right on it, but I, I I completely agree with you though i mean it's it is et because it is extraterrestrial and that encompasses all of that and i think once you understand what extraterrestrial is it's not of this earth that could mean interdimensional that could mean so many things and you could go any route with that so i i i agree with you i think everything that you're seeing is et for sure or or yeah, well, of course, ET, but man, and it also could be this caked of dimensions, right? Like, what if these certain like they're already around us? Like, I remember being young and listening to like different like uh, AM like radio, like then they would talk about like shadow people and things of that nature, which I've had like a lot of encounters with that kind of thing. I got this guy that follows me around all the time. It seems like in the corner of your eye, you can see it. But what they had talked about was that most of these shadow people live in that realm of like, and they compared it to flicking a light on and off, right? Like, you, it's so quick and like that and if some of us have developed something in our brain that is able to kind of see that right that that we're because we're layered onto these dimensions so that's why i thought that movie was so cool because it kind of gave me a lot of the theories that i kind of believe in is that's like we have this dimension already over us like there's someone living in our house that is their house right that is a, a whole different and the house looks different it's completely in in the their way right they have their posters on the wall all of that but we can't see it because we don't have a certain 
brainwave or, or frequency that we're in tune to. And I think some of us get in tune to it or we have like a flicker of it. And that's why we get some of these little sightings. And it's hard to tell. Like people are like, oh, that was aliens. Oh, I saw a demon. Oh, I saw. But they're kind of similar. Every when you hear people talking about seeing angels, demons, uh, grays, they're all this little like similar paths. And, and a lot has to do with dreams because I have a lot of crazy dreams, too. And when you're talking about the orbs, uh, the orbs to me I have always like kind of go with Bigfoot, right? We, every time we talk to somebody that's like these orbs are around it and shouts out to uh, Esoteric Eddie, I like his theory on that where he talks about there's these orb UFOs and then there's like that are more maybe organic or, you know, maybe some kind of life source. And then there's these other UFOs that are maybe more governmental, like, you know, weapons of like to fight people. hundred percent agree with you. Absolutely. Um, now, Going back to like being able to see these things and stuff too. Uh, I have an experiment that happened by accident in my home one night. Okay. So my team and I, I'm part of the, I'm three different research teams, field research teams. One is, uh, anomalous studies and observation group. We, we research a place called Skinwalker Ranch of the South, the meadow. Okay. And the head of my team wrote a book called the meadow project. And, uh, and so, we, we've documented things like portals and sent people into them and out. We're, we'll talk about that tonight before we're, before we're done with the show. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're out there doing this like major boots on the ground research with there's, there's so much that goes on out there. And in uh, a few years ago, like my son was like two or three years old at the time. He was really young. He's eight now, about to be nine. And uh, and I had been out there at the meadow and I came home early because I had my son was so young. OK, so I could only stay for a night or two. And uh, when I came home from the meadow, that same night that I came home was the night that my team was out in the meadow and a portal appeared and we sent people into it. The team did. Well, while that was happening out in the meadow, I was at home. My son was really happy to see me and he got on the, he was on the elliptical machine, right? We had an elliptical machine in my front living room. <laughs> and, uh, and so he was on this thing and uh, just riding it looking cute. And his dad, who I was married to at the time, he was filming him with his camera his camera phone and, uh, and was filming him. And all of a sudden these two orbs of light showed up and started dancing around my son. Okay. And my son was looking at them and he was watching them and he, he was just learning how to talk. Right. So he was like, mom, ball, ball. And he's following these balls of light around with his finger. And they were about the size of ping pong balls. Okay. And his dad could not see them with his own eyes at all, but he could see them through the camera screen. Okay. So I walked in, his dad called me in and he said, Hey, you're going to, you're going to want to see this. And I walked in and I could see these balls of light dancing around my son. And I was like, what is that? Are those moss? Like what the hell, you know? And, uh, and my son was still watching them. He's like, no mom, ball, ball. And he's following them with his finger and the ball of light. One of the balls of light shoots towards the camera phone and shuts the power off the camera. Okay. Well, that showed me that was a, an interesting piece of research right there because my my ex-husband, the husband at the time, he could not see those at all with his own eyes. But my son and I could. So that shows me that we're on a different frequency than some people. Okay, not everybody's going to see what I see. My son and I can see it. We're, we're high vibe tribe. You know what I'm saying? His dad was obviously not. So <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm not saying that we're any better than, the, well, not, well, anyways, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for sure. But you know some of I mean? us have, not, are tuned I, you know, differently. 
So we're just attuned differently. Yeah. That's we're like tuning forks, you know. And like my son and I are on that tune, on that frequency, and his dad was not at all. Um, and so and so when people look at me like I'm crazy, I don't care because I just know they don't they don't experience what I experience. And uh, and so I you know I am the cryptid huntress. Okay, I go out and I do real boots in the ground research. I experience a lot of weird stuff, but I understand that not everybody understands that. They're not going to experience what I experience. They're never going to see what I see. And uh, and so I don't shove it down people's throats. Um, I just let people know if you want to hear my stories, you can hear them. I'll tell you. But, um, but I just know that there's some people that will never experience what I do. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So smooth, so crisp. There we go. Smooth, crisp butt cheeks, right? Uh, I was shaving my face. What are you shaving? Uh... Never mind. Don't answer that. I'm talking about the smooth, crisp pages of Paranormality Magazine, the premium paranormal magazine in all the world. In all the world? That sounds dope. What all is it about? It's a monthly paranormal magazine that delves into the strange world of shadow people, UFOs, and killer interviews with people like David Spinks, Alexandria Weiss, Chaz of the Dead, and many more for $7.99 a month or $127.99 for the whole year. Sean, I love reading, but I'm on the go a lot. You know, I literally hunt down these paranormal beings and cryptids for real. That's fine too. For $3.99 a month or $24.99 a year, you can get the digital subscription. So when you run up on Dogman in the forest, you can show them what they're saying about him on the outside. I think he would love that, actually. How do I get this monthly work of art to show all my cryptid friends? Easy, bro. Just go to paranormalitymag.com or click Paranormality Magazine link in our podcast show notes, and it will take you right there. Plus, you get a 10% discount on any subscription and a 30% discount on any shirt when you use the promo code BIRDKILLERS. I'm going there right now. What was that promo code again? BIRDKILLERS! They could even be out there with you on these trips and not experience it either. And I can tell you that from personal experience throughout my whole life where something would happen to me or something happened to somebody else uh, with me and then whoever else was there didn't see it or just happened to be off when it happened or revealed itself to certain people. And I feel that that is absolutely what you're talking about, because I think when you're here's another piece, too. I think it's even deeper than just being on another frequency. I think it's being open to being on a different frequency. I think when you're open to being on a different frequency, I think that's when you're kind of on that frequency then, right? Because you're open to that other sense that you know that there's more to the world than what we've been told our whole lives, uh, what we see, you know, when we go out there, where it's just not, uh, there's so much more to it, and I think once we reach out and we know that, you're gonna you're gonna start 
seeing a lot of things that you didn't think existed. I mean, Sean's got a, a little buddy that follows him around all the time. He's got the shadow buddy. He follows him around all the time. Sean knows he exists. He's seen him. So at the end of the day, it doesn't even bother Sean anymore. But at the end of the day, Sean's open to being on that frequency. So he knows that there are other things going on. And your energy too, right? Like I go to a lot of places. I've been places where, man, this guy got shot there two weeks ago or right after I went. It's like, I always tell people, I'm like, it's not going to happen if I'm there. And like, they get, they go, you, yeah, that can't be true. You know, just be, you, it could happen if you're there. I'm like, I'm telling you, if I'm there, nothing's going to happen. And they're like, oh, you're going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to enjoy myself. Nothing is going to happen. And I think that comes with that manifestation, but also the energy mindset and frequency, that combination really gets you to tuned in to where you need to be, I think. And not just to see, you know, like fantastical things or things out of this world, but just to day to day, like living your life. Like that's how you get through things that you see so many miserable people. Like I had no too many miserable people and they get mad. Like when you're happy, they're mad. It's because they can't understand, just like they can't understand you seeing a Bigfoot or, or, or seeing an orb or seeing shadow people or anything. They still, they also don't understand how you could be happy or positive every day. And you're like, well, it's my mindset. I'm choosing to be, I choose every day what I want to be. And that's, I think those mindsets are more capable of seeing these other things because we're ha we have empathy we have good good intentions so they're going to reveal to us they're going to try to in some senses i think try to manipulate us too i think there's like you know like good and bad and some just in the middle like i especially with cryptids i think some can be just you know like uh some crazy animal-ish type of being that's just, you know, flesh and blood and everything. And then I think there's also a lot of this interdimensional things where we don't know what side they're on or what they're trying to push us towards or get our attention with, right? Because a lot of times it's like they're trying to get our attention and it's like, but what do you want our attention for? Is it like nefarious? Is it good? We don't know. That's the mystery that everybody's trying to uncover. Yeah. I mean, cryptids are like humans. And you know what? That's all about you knowing your power, Sean, and like, and, and, and your intentions and your power. I'm the same way. Listen, I have fun everywhere I go. And, uh, and, and so a lot of the people on my team, we're all the same way. Like we understand that, like we have just as much, um, we're, we're okay to be there. Just, we have just as much reason to be in the woods as the Bigfoots do. Okay. So, uh, we respect you. Y'all respect us. Okay. That kind of a thing. Uh, because we, we know our power too. And, uh, and we, we ain't scared. We ain't never scared. Okay. Uh, and so, but it, it's, it's important to know that kind of stuff, uh, when you're out there and, uh, and I don't go out there with the intention. Yes, I carry, I carry a gun. I'm not going to lie. I do. I, I carry a gun when I walk outside my house. Okay. I got, I might have one right here beside me right now. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but that's because I'm, I'm not scared. I'm just aware, you know, I know there are threats everywhere I go and, and knowing what I know and seeing the things I've seen, I'm not stupid. Okay. Like I'm not going to go out there. I mean, we, not only do we have Bigfoots and things like that and dogmen, whatever's out there. Um, we have crazy humans walking around those woods. We have feral humans or, you know, backwoods cults and all sorts of stuff. Those are way bigger threats than Bigfoots. Okay. Yeah, you're going to see some weird stuff like that. Then you're going to stone point and have to shoot that. And for any feds that are listening, Personally, I don't have any guns. I lost all of them when I went on this big fishing trip. Uh, we were hunting some ocean cryptids, and they're all gone. My, so, my ex took all mine. I you know, know they're he took gone. All mine. <laughs> if you want to go look for them, them, you can. Like you know, you're gonna have to get some. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a boating accident, right? <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about uh, these portals. You said you were out there and you sent people in the portals. So, okay, first off, did they, did, <laughs> I got so many questions now. So did they appear in front of you and then you sent them in or were they already there and you ran up on them and then sent them in? And what happened when they got in there? And then it's clear that they came back. So it wasn't like it shut on them. They were stuck wherever they went. So tell me a little bit more about that. It very well could have, though. Okay, so I will take you back to when this happened. It was about five or six years ago, okay, out at the meadow. This was the same night that my son was having orbs dancing around his head. So I was not there. I had just left. I missed all the crazy action that night. Um, but this is what my team experienced, okay? So uh, we had been out there for a while. We go out for like a week at a time or a weekend or whatever, uh, just depending upon what time of year it is, what the weather's like, you know, who can come out there and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we all have regular lives, <laughs> you know, it's like, we're not all, you know, Bigfooting does not pay, okay? This is something we do for fun, all right? All the, and, and it's not even like a Bigfoot research team anymore. Like we, we are just like a paranormal field research team. Uh, we, we pretty much just go out there and experience whatever's out there. Um, and so that night, the team dispatched to the meadow. Okay, we always have one person who stays back at base camp who mans the radios. We all have... Uh, we, we carry CB radios. Everybody's uh, certified in like ham radio and things like that on our teams. And uh, we have very strict protocols when we go out to these places because they're so wild. There's so much room for bad things to happen when we're out there doing this research. Okay, so we are, we like I said, we have very strict protocol. So the team dispersed into like three or four groups. I think it was like four small teams and uh, to go post up around the meadow. Okay. It's like, there's these woods. It's an undisclosed location here in the South somewhere. Okay. So there's like these, all these like dense woods. You have to hike in a good ways to get there. And then there's an open field. Okay. And we've had so much activity out there from Bigfoot to UFOs, to orbs, to uh, just high strangeness. Okay. And uh, we've been, we've been researching this area for a long time. So they, they all different teams. Like there's like two or three man teams man slash woman teams all around. There's only like two women on our teams, me and Kristen. Okay. And I was gone, but, um, so they all went around and okay. So out of the blue, like Dave, Dave Pardue, he's out of North Carolina. He's with, um, North Carolina cryptid research. Okay. is his team or his group. I mean, cause, cause listen, I research from people from all over the South and all over the country, uh, but we, we all come together to go out to the meadow and stuff. So, he was out there. He was looking through his FLIR, and he was with uh, my friends Kristen, who's on my team, and um, Rock Hill. Terry Wendell was out there, Rock Hill Bigfoot. And, uh, and they were just sitting there, and David started noticing a big square that showed up in the meadow, like through his um, FLIR. It was like a, a cube started appearing out of nowhere in this open field. And you could only see it through the thermal imaging. So it was like the temperature change right there. It was a huge square, which turned into a cube. And he thought he was seeing things. So he told Terry, he said, hey, Terry, check check this out. See what you're looking at. See if you see what I see. And so Terry uh, looked and he, he was like, well, what the heck is that? So then it, they started noticing that it was like this huge cube. And it looked like it had crosses on both sides of it like crosses or like x's and like a door in the middle or something really odd and they were like what this is wild right 
And then, so that so Kristen, who was sitting with them, she just said, um, she she got her. Um, Sorry, my German Shepherd just busted in my office. Sorry. Um, so Kristen got her her camera out, and she was she decided to hit the record button as they were looking at this thing, and uh, and so she actually documented this thing, right? And so D- David and Terry were a little confused, and so they sent they dispatched a two or three guys from across the field over to check it out to find out like what is this thing, right? And so. Uh, a couple of the guys, Grumpy and Tim, were dispatched over there. To, we call them Grumpy. And uh, they were dispatched over to go check this thing out. Well, they got up to where this thing was in the field, and they could not see it at all with their naked eye. Uh, so they were guided over to where this cube was. And as they walked over to it, their heat signatures disappeared when they got to it. Okay. Well, they described it as... Uh, like walking through a black velvet curtain, a heavy velvet curtain, the temperature changed, uh, the vegetation on the ground changed. Uh, it went from thick vegetation to smooth ground and the stars disappeared. They couldn't see the stars anymore. And they realized that something was very much off, like very much off. They, and both of them are retired military. Tim was special forces, military, um, Bob uh, retired from the Navy and it was law enforcement search and rescue guy. He's the head of the North Georgia Cryptid Researchers that I'm a part of. Um, they knew there was something off and they're both trained in remote, remote viewing, just like me. So they, they know energy shifts. They, they realized there was something super off. So they kind of like walked back out. They didn't know they were walking out. They just thought they were still in the field, you know. And as they walked out of it, their heat signatures reappeared. The cube shrunk down and then it moved, and then it disappeared. Kristen has it on film, on her camera. Uh, And so we didn't know what it was. The team didn't know. uh, We were actually, I was sent a a blind remote viewing target of that at some point. Uh, We were all trying to figure out what it was. Um, we, we We concluded that it was a portal. Okay, uh, the whole team, we, we, and this is an area, there may or may not be a missing persons cluster, if you guys are familiar with the David Politis missing 411 series. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was just very odd. So we, we called that the portal incident uh, because we, we're not exactly sure what it was. We consider it to be a portal. Now, there are um, track lines that we've had in that field that have disappeared out of thin air. Okay, not only uh, footprints, like big footprints, things like that, tire tracks. Okay. Like there's nowhere at all for a car to get into this field. Okay. This is way out in the middle of nowhere. We know this area, like the back of our hands, there's no, um, there's no way for a vehicle to get in this area, but yet there are tire tracks, like three, like three feet of a tire track. Okay. And stuff like that. Um, it was just very odd, very, very odd. Um, now both of those gentlemen who went into the portal, uh, one of them is deceased now. Uh, and the other one had a very aggressive form of cancer uh, that hit him after that. Now, there was radiation involved with this. Uh, we do uh, carry Geiger meters, Geiger counters, and things like that. And there was a radiation spike uh, when all this was occurring. And uh, a lot of times when we're, when we're out there and there is paranormal activity going down, we do have radiation spikes. Uh, but uh, Tim got a heart condition after that, and um, he's passed away since. Um, so 
this this stuff. I'm, we're not attributing that incident to their to his death, but we have our questions. And there's possibilities for sure. I was wondering, like, and I'm not sure about this instance of you, but just got me thinking when we're talking about portals. What if some of these portals are similar to like you know traps, right? Like you throw in the ocean to catch crabs, like to throw you off into like, or like somehow punish you or like, you know what I mean? Like maybe you got out of it and you were not meant to get out of it too. The, the, the two gentlemen that were in there, maybe they weren't meant to get out of it and they were supposed to be stuck there and they were, I just feel like it's some kind of thing that either whether demonic uh, grays or whoever it may be like, uh, is throwing these little extra traps. I think they also use portals to travel, but I think some of them are traps to set us up, especially cause they knew probably that you guys were already on their tracks. Well, well, if you if you follow the missing four one one series, a lot of those by, by David Politis, a lot of the people who go missing, some of them are scientists and things like that. Now, now Tim may or may not have been a scientist with uh, a lot of very interesting information of uh, doing work with NASA and stuff like that. Um, everybody on my team is very smart. Okay, I'm not saying I am, but everybody else is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but everybody's super smart and uh, and has a very interesting background, I guess we could say. And uh, and and I think that uh, those are like traps. I think they could be. Like I have I have from day one questioned whether that was some sort of uh, you know black ops program, military government kind of uh, a portal. And I say that with air quotes. Portal. Um, it did not seem natural to me. And I know there are natural portals. I have remote viewed Earth's natural portals as a blind target at one point, and uh, and I actually was taken off planet to the sun. <laughs> like these portals go like all over the universe, basically uh, that are on Earth. And uh, and this was not. This is not a natural portal. I don't think uh, it did feel contrived. It felt as though it was something that had maybe it was like, I don't want to say like reverse technology of portals, but something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, it just felt sinister more than anything. But however, I mean, it, it, considering there were like tire tracks out in this field and stuff like that, that just kind of disappear into thin air. You know, it makes you wonder what's going on. I mean, is there an underground facility there? Um, a lot of times when I'm remote viewing uh, attacks and especially national parks, okay, like the LBL, for instance, the land between the lakes with the family that was murdered there, allegedly murdered, but I found out that it was real <laughs> from remote viewing it. Um, places like Joe Bald Recreation Area in Missouri, I was asked to remote view that area by D.A. Roberts, who has a show um, and is an author. Uh, there's an underground facility there and it has something to do with the secret space program. <laughs> you know, um, I, I come across these things a lot when I'm remote viewing, like especially dogman attacks and, and dogman sightings. Uh, there's usually an underground base there of some sort. And then with this portal incident that we had, I do believe there could be an underground facility in that, in that area. And can I say it's government? I, I can't even say it's government. I don't know. There's some sort of agency. I quit saying government. I just say agency. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier because there's so many different nefarious and a lot of these government, quote unquote, like you said, like they're kind of just in, all entangled together. It's one, it's a big club and you ain't in it. You know I mean? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Especially over there. It's, even in like East Tennessee, you guys, there's like a lot of these unspecified animal attacks or packs of wild dogs attacking people and killing them. And, uh, and I was asked to remote view uh, uh, the the deaths of Amber Miller and Tony Aarons over there in East Tennessee. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with those, uh, but allegedly they were attacked. Both of them 
within a month or two, they were both attacked by packs of wild dogs uh, in East Tennessee. And they were, and they were shredded like their bodies. Like I think Amber lost, I think it was like 70% of her skin or something like that. Her flesh. She lived for like five days after that happened. And the entire hospital staff was all put under a gag order and her family over that. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I, I was, I, I remote viewed it and I, I was embarrassed to come on. I went on live air and did a show on it. And I was embarrassed to say my data suggested it was a zombie bear. <laughs> I know that sound, that sounded messed up. I was so embarrassed to even say that, but okay. You have to take into consideration. First of all, there's something called Oak Ridge labs in this area. And, uh, and they have allegedly a large hydrant collider there, just like at CERN. Okay, now they actually do work with CERN and it's called ALICE, Project ALICE. It's like a large collider of something. I forgot what the acronym stands for, right? Uh, you guys can look that up, but look up Pro Project ALICE with uh, Oak Ridge Labs. Okay, well, someone, one of my viewers uh, sent me a video shortly after I had done that show where I was embarrassed to say, I think they were, they weren't attacked because people were saying it was a dog man probably that killed them. Well, I was not seeing a dog man when I remote viewed it. I was seeing a bear, but it wasn't a bear. It was like a zombie bear. One of my viewers sent me a, a, a video from Israeli news and it was about the government like or, or someone in the military. One of the agencies went to Congress to go change the funding for a project they had been working on for many years where they were injecting special forces soldiers in the U.S. military with the DNA of bears, wolves, and some other animals, right? And they were put, dropping them off all over the world uh, in couples, like males and females. <laughs> and like they were like humans, but like with the DNA of a wolf, okay, and a bear. And, uh, and where they had sent two of them, they dropped them off by helicopter, allegedly, was in East Tennessee, Okay, um, and they had and, and the what the what they said in this Israeli news clip was that they had the program had gotten out of control because these people who had turned into animal they were animalistic they had gone on like killing sprees and stuff. Okay, so it backed up my data. Okay, it backed up my data where that could have been what it was, zombie bears. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, though, especially in Oak Ridge because of the uh, military facilities there. Because there's been a lot of crazy stuff seen in Oak Ridge, not just like packs of dogmen. Because I've seen, I've heard of people getting chased by packs of dogmen. The uh, the white Bigfoot is seen a lot around those facilities too, which it tends to be that version of Bigfoot. It seems to be some sort of like guard dog around some of these uh, military facilities. What if? Now you got me really thinking too, because of of how they do a lot of DNA splicing and and a lot of uh, experiments. What if they are a cross between human and animal? These chimeras that they're concocting to guard these facilities. Like I like that idea a lot too. Um, in conjunction with these cryptids, what if? Hey, I'll go even a step further. What if they're taking cryptid DNA and they're splicing it with human DNA and now you're creating a whole nother set of circumstances and that could be, especially in Oak Ridge, because I've heard a lot of wild stories coming out of Oak Ridge with portals being manifested in these facilities they're working on. I mean, it's like Stranger Things legit going on there. So I, I'm with you there. I, I like that idea a lot. 
Or it was not a zombie bear. It was a cocaine bear. <laughs> I know, I got that too. That was in Tennessee. Could have been a mix. Could have been zombie bears. A zombie coked out bear. <laughs> Moonshine and cocaine. There's no telling up in East Tennessee. I don't know. I'm actually going to be going out there uh, in June. I've been asked to go join a, a team of some of uh, some fellow researchers at a at a couple's property out there who have a cave on their property. She's actually got a she's got a podcast uh, called Conversation Cabin. So we're going to be going out there in June. I'm going to go check out this stuff. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no telling. I mean, speaking of our government taking cryptids and splicing them and making chimeras and all that kind of stuff. I mean, most of these cryptids that I look into when I remote view them and, uh, you know, I, I told you I've been trained extensively in remote viewing and it's not just like, you know, a lot of people I meet, they're like, I'm a remote viewer. Well, they... I, I am not throwing shade on anybody, but like a lot of people are like, well, they're just psychic. So they say they're remote, remote viewers. I've actually been trained for years and years and years on the art of remote viewing. I am uh, the way the military was trained in remote viewing. Okay. And, uh, and so I stand behind my data a hundred percent. You know, like I, I said earlier, I was like, I don't know nothing about nothing, but, uh, but I do trust my data. Okay. When I'm remote viewing, uh, I've done it enough to where, I'm pretty good at it at this point, okay? And uh, and I, I shot myself, okay, with these blind targets. I actually just did one last night. I had a show on the Chupacabra, okay? Uh, my friend Barry Littleton, who's an amazing researcher, uh, I've taught him how to task me with coordinates for remote viewing targets. And, uh, and so he gave me the Chupacabra out of Puerto Rico. And I, I did a show on that last night. That's another Chimera project that the agencies, whoever they are, uh, we're working on down in Puerto Rico at one of these genetic labs. Okay. And, uh, and this was a mix between like gray aliens and something, some kind of microorganisms and, um, all these different animals like combined into one. And it, it was real, very real. Uh, so let's, let's go over to, uh, Let's see, like the Middle East, the giant of Kandahar, for instance. Okay. If you guys are familiar with that, um, that was something that I was asked to, okay, I remote viewed that. And my, my, when I remote view something, it's blind. I don't even know what I'm remote viewing. Okay. For the most part, occasionally I'll do like a front loaded remote view thing where I, I kind of know a little bit about it, but, um, usually they're blind targets. That's how you remote view. Um, so the giant of Kandahar, y'all. Okay, so people said, people don't know for sure if that really happened. I can tell you it did. That's a real, that's real. Uh, our military was sent there. According to my data, the military was sent there to obtain a sample of a giant. Okay, now my data also suggested that they wanted to obtain a, a sample for purposes of almost like a super soldier program. Okay. And, uh, and it wasn't like they just happened upon a giant. Okay. It's like they were just out there fighting the Taliban and, uh, they happened upon some giant that ate a platoon or whatever that was, you know, no, they went there looking for these giants. The giants were sitting in wait. They knew they were coming. Uh, and th they lived in a cave. There were more than one giants. Uh, they actually, the second team that was sent in to look for the first team who had been decimated, who'd been killed and eaten, by the way, by the giants. They ate them. Um, they went in there. They had a helicopter on standby to take the body out of there. So what does that tell you? It's not like it was just was a, it was a snatch they just and grab. happened upon they these giants. It. it was a snatch and grab. They they went there. The All the locals knew about it. They knew that there were giants there. Um, 
Yeah, they knew they were there. And uh, and so they went in. My data was saying stuff like I was getting information like Elysium, okay, New World Order and stuff like that was in my data. Uh, that's like off-world civilizations and stuff, you know, it, was, it all kind of references back to like biblical stuff and like revelations. And, um, and that's why I love doing shows with people who are biblical scholars and can talk about that stuff. I don't know anything about it, but I love it when other people do. And I can take my data from these targets and we can have discussions about it from a biblical standpoint, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. Um, the Kandahar thing has always fascinated me. Right. And to hear, you know, from you talking about, you know, there's multiples in this cave, which I've always suggested that there was, um, but they wanted the one sample, obviously, to splice. And, you know, me coming from a biblical background and understanding what the Nephilim are, which is the the, the fallen angels uh, having sex with women and creating these giants. Well, why wouldn't we want to take that DNA and splice it into soldiers if we could, especially these giants who have DNA that are super fast, super strong, dexterity's out of control. Uh, I completely agree with you. So I'm on board with that. Yes, we did. We went Nephilim today again, baby. You know we do. I got a question for you, though, Jessica. Um, when you're talking about remote viewing, so you're telling, you know, you got your military trained. Do you believe that? Anybody can do this if it with the right practice and skill that you uh, can train yourself to do this. So is it something that, you know, how some people like to make it seem like, well, I'm special. You can't do it. Right. But I was wondering what you felt on that notion. Oh, trust me, I'm not special. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not special. Anybody can do it now. Are, are some people better at it than others? Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I've done it for so long now that like, and I love doing it. My entire team is trained in it, but they don't, most people on my team don't do it hardly at all. Unless we get, you know, cause I can, sometimes we'll get like a, a target, like a high priority set of coordinates set to us by the head of our team. And it's usually like a missing person or something that's important. And some people will kind of hop on it and try to help out. But, uh, but I'm the one that ran, I, I went rogue, dude. I like went and started doing a show on it. And, and I feel like it's just kind of like my calling to kind of put this out there. Uh, yeah, I have like been crucified for it because a lot of people don't understand it. It's like blasphemy, you know, like being a remote viewer. Oh my God. Um, but anybody can do it. Uh, I don't recommend training yourself in it go to a professional to learn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can learn. I mean, if you if you start practicing with the Monroe Gateway program and doing like the, the hemi-sync programs, the binaural beats, that kind of stuff, uh, there's a whole lot that goes into this. It's not just like you can just watch a show and learn remote viewing. I've been training in it since 2011, okay? And uh, it's, it's 2023 and I'm still learning. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anybody can do it. It's, I'm not special. Yes, I do have psychic abilities, but we all do. And I recommend everybody start working out your psychic muscles, like get rid of the fluoride. Okay. I know I, I've been crucified for saying that too, but get you a good water filter. Okay. Uh, that takes out the fluoride and all the junk. Okay. Uh, also quit using fluoride toothpaste and things like that. Cause it, it calcifies your pineal gland. Okay. And, uh, we want to have an open third eye. Uh, and it's not only for psychic abilities. We want to be able to be able to listen to our gut, like eat, start eating good, you know, like eat healthy foods and, and quit eating so much processed foods because when it really does mess with your gut. And, uh, and when I said earlier, I go with my gut, you got to have a healthy gut to be able to protect yourself and defend your family against attacks and stuff like that. You know, that's just on a, a basic level.
And it's linked to the brain health as well. Gut health is linked to brain health. So like they were saying that if you damage your gut, it could eventually like go and seep into your brain. Yeah. And I, cre- I listen, I agree with you on the fil- uh, getting your water filtered. Um, and I tell people too, like, even if you don't have a ton of money and you can't get a full filtration system for your house, there are some great water filters out there that you can take your tap water, put it in this filter, and it filtrates the water. Now, obviously, you want to try to find the ones that filtrate fluoride because not all of them do that. But I have one at the house. It's great. It, it filtrates up to, I don't know, three gallons at a time. It's great. So there's so many of them out there that can help you. And I completely, completely agree with you when it comes to your brain. And I would even go further than just the pineal gland, but just when you're decalcifying your pineal gland, you're also upping your cognitive abilities as well. So you're able to see through the bullshit that everybody's trying to feed you. The government's trying to feed you, uh, your, your bullshit neighbor down the street's trying to feed you. Cause he's all fluorided up. You know what I mean? Like you, that is, is super important. And you're right, eating healthier too. And I'm not saying that you got to be like on some strict thing where I'm never going to have a cheeseburger. But what I'm saying is as a whole, you should eat healthier because that, again, processed food has fluoride in it. People don't even realize that as well. You know, you, do you know that when you buy soups at the at this at the store in a can, it's it's made with fluoride water. Fluoride's in just about everything. And even like even your vegetables that you think are OK, they've been sprayed down with fluoride water. You don't even know. That's why you wash your vegetables uh, well, <laughs> when you get them home, uh, and there's a lot of different methods to do that, but I completely agree with you on that. I've been a big proponent of non-fluoride for a long time. There's some great non-fluoride toothpaste that are out there that you can get as well. Um, th- there's just a lot of different, uh, products that you can get that aren't necessarily promoted, but you can find them and they, and they will totally help you get off this fluoride train. Yeah. Once you have an open mind and you open up that third eye, you're way less controllable. Okay. And that's what, what I'm going for. I, I, I don't like anybody telling me what to do. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm a rebel. Um, I don't, I don't like being told what to do. And, uh, yeah, I have a healthy dose of respect, you know, and things like that. But, um, at the same time, um, it, that, that's the key, I think. Just you don't want to be controllable. And if they gave us money, we would mention the toothpaste. So we would have mentioned it, but they don't give us money. So <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I I can tell you what water filter I have, but I mean, we're not we're not sponsored. We're not plugging them for free so, here. You know. Hey, throw that sponsor. Yeah, you throw that sponsor this way. We buy. You know, what I'm, saying? I'm just saying. We might throw it out there. Get you a Come couple over sales. To the Cryptid Huntress too. I'll, I'll, I'll sponsor you. Can sponsor me. Hey, listen, let me bring this up real quick. It's something that popped in my head earlier, and I forgot to bring it up when you were talking about this cube portal, because you said it was really odd. And I've never heard of the cube portal until you brought it up. And it kind of made me tie into something occultic with the black cube of Saturn and how the black cube of Saturn is also opens gateways into different places. And you were talking about portals that open gateways on into no- other universes, into other planets. Um, maybe it's some sort of version of that. And I'm even tying it into the government because I think the government is highly into the occult, highly into all of the high strangeness that they're using to weaponize. And I would say that maybe that cube shape, that geometry 
that those Freemasons love to deal with, that they are tapping into that side of the occult. And that's what your boys ran up into when they were out there. And I'm not saying it couldn't have been extraterrestrial because it could have been, but maybe it's a combination of both. And maybe it was some something the government was out there testing and they got caught in the crab trap, like Sean said. Who knows? Well, I 100% agree with that. And that's why I've been suspicious from day one that this was some kind of government setup or something. I don't know. I mean, not I'm saying they're trying to set us up, but knowing what I know now with all of this research that I do and all the guests that I have on my shows, uh, Let's go. Let's let's speak on Dogman, for instance. So Jody Cook, who's a friend of mine, he's uh, the head of the North American Dogman Project. He has come on my show several times, and we've talked about these interesting cases of Dogman being seen uh, an experience with our military as being extraterrestrial and things like that. Um, he he told me stories about how there are certain like three letter agencies and stuff that mess around with ghost hunting groups and people that are doing paranormal field research are out in the field where they, when they know that you're going to be out doing an investigation, they have access to our devices. Okay. Cause we use a lot of ghost hunting devices when we're out there doing Bigfoot field research and stuff like EVP recorders and doing the Estes methods and things like that. They're able to tap into these devices and use their voices to come through there to screw with you basically. Okay. So, Who's to say, like, everything is not manipulated? I think that everything has potential to be manipulated. So you have to question everything. Don't go, like, that's why I don't even like ghost hunting anymore. I think ghost hunting is, like, so primitive in my book. Okay, I know that sounds horrible. No offense, no shade to the ghost hunters out there. I'm so, you know, I just saw I got my start, too. But a lot of it is very primitive, and it's so easily manipulated. So just be aware that you can be manipulated by whatever it is. Like, you think your Aunt Edna is talking to you through this machine? It could be anything. You don't know that's actually like I've talked to my brother who passed away several times, but it didn't. It wasn't his voice. Yeah, the the voice knew things that no one else would know. But I can't say that was my brother. Do you know what I'm saying? So just be aware. I completely agree with that, because when you're talking about entities and you're talking about ETs, you're talking about people that have seen your whole life. Why? How? Why wouldn't they? manifest that a certain way to make you think that to drag you down a path or you know people talk about the fey folk the fairies dragging people off in the woods and luring them out there same same sort of concept because a lot of times they'll take the voice or the uh the shape of somebody that that you know a loved one that's gone and and drag you out in there so i i'm with you on that it it, it is primitive thinking I again, and no shade on the people that do ghost hunt, because I think a lot of the people that I know that ghost hunt are beyond that primitive thinking. So when they ghost hunt, it's just by name. They're very much in the same tune as us three that are talking right now. So when they go out there, they're of a very uh, cerebral mind when they're out there in the open because they know it could be anything. And I think that's what people need to understand when you're actually out there and you're looking for these things. You know, we make these films, right? And we center it around a certain topic. Generally speaking, it ends up something else we're running into. It's never what we're actually going out there to look for. It's always some other, you know, uh, high strangeness that we end up running into. But we're in spots where high strangeness happens. So you're going to get, generally speaking, some sort of result if you're open-minded and you're out there and you're not all, you know, fluorided up like you said earlier. <laughs> Is the ghost hunter you're talking about Stormy Daniels? <laughs> oh my God. 
Jody, well, well, this is what Jody told me. He said that they actually use like big names like like Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters or whatever those shows are. Like they they would actually mess around with those kind of people while they're live on like doing their shows when they're recording. Um, so it's just food for thought. I'm not saying for sure that I know for sure that happens, but that's what I was told, and I I can totally believe it. I'm with Sean. I'm with you. I, I completely agree with that. And why wouldn't they mess with people that are putting together a show? It's just going to give them more credence to what they're trying to promote. And if it's the government doing it in conjunction with these entities, you know, what kind of trail are they trying to take you off of? You know, if you've got a open mind and you're, like you said, not thinking in a primitive way and you're like, well, this is what I think it could be. They don't want you on that path where, where you're getting in line with what is actually going on no they want to tie you back down into some primitive no no it was your grandmother she was just talking here to talk to you <laughs> i know this may not have a whole lot to do with what we're talking about but i've been told that people that research cryptids like myself especially remote viewing cryptid researchers have a larger file on us than people that investigate anything else like ufos ghosts whatever um we're watched more closely because of of the nature of the field that we're investigating like dog man and bigfoot well, they want the people that are like kind of stuck in their ways. We've talked about that a lot too. Like there's people that have been studying Bigfoot for 40, 50, 60 years, and they still have the same concept that they had 60 years ago. They're not evolving their thought process. They're like, nope, has to be a physical being. No, no, uh, none of this portals, none of this, like, you know, uh, cloaking, every, all that stuff is fan too fantastical for them. And they're like, no, it has to exactly be this. And we always think that's crazy because you're not evolving your thoughts. Like you think by now being so deep in it, you're like, yeah, anything's possible. Well, there are Bigfoot research groups that still think that way, very much like they don't want to hear it. They, they won't even put that in their reports when there's a UFO involved or any kind of high strangeness, not to name names, but it, there's acronyms out there of these groups. And uh, and most of the guys on my teams, they were a part of that group. And it's a great place. I'm not going to get the name, but it's a great place to start out if you're just getting into Bigfoot. Go be part of that group, please. I think that you would really benefit from learning about it. But they've either left or all got kicked out because they were talking about portals and like, you know, uh, ETs and, and orbs and things like that. And th these groups refuse to put those in the reports. Okay. And, and, and to, to put any other thing other than Bigfoot and that, that, also deals with like MUFON, let's say, for instance, you know, I have some very close friends that are part of that group and, uh, but they don't like talking about Bigfoot. Okay. Now I have had from day one had Bigfoot and UFOs together combined in the same experience. Okay. Many times. And, uh, and it, it seems to be very common in my, my world. Uh, but when it comes to groups like that, they don't want it. They're, they're strictly UFOs and the other group is strictly Bigfoot. It's, it's wild to me. I don't understand why it all has to be separate because I feel like it's all connected in a way that people just won't accept. And, and I think whenever that term, the woo, started coming into play and then it started mixing with Bigfoot, I think that's when people are a little more on the track. Whenever you're starting to look at that, how it's how that connects together, that's more in line with what's really going on. And I think, like you said, those people that have those open that have that kind of open mind that are looking into it that way, yeah, they probably got a big file uh, back at about eighteen three letter agency somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I mean, I 
I've been told that my show, my YouTube channel has been banned at certain government buildings. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, so yeah, um, it, we're getting too close to the truth with a lot of this stuff. And, you know, with my remote viewing stuff that I do, I, I was warned. I know there are certain topics that I, I am um, told to stay away from. And one of those is like remote viewing off planet, like the moon. And uh, I went against my better judgment at one point, And I was going to do a show on Apollo 11 moon landing. And about two hours before my live show, I got a phone call. Or I, it actually wasn't a phone call. It was a message. And uh, I was pretty much told to keep my mouth shut. So, um, and I, and like I said, I have a healthy dose of respect. So I, I had to, I look like a total crazy person that show. Cause I had to completely like divert what I was going to say to like something else. And it, it sucked. I did not like that at all. But, um, but I also, I'm a single mom and I, I, I love my life, <laughs> you know, the way I am. So, you know, like I, I love my life and, uh, and I love my family. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that's the best way to say it. <laughs> The government's good, you know, like they're all right. Like they sometimes give the me fruit stamps awesome. and like they're they tell me that right. like I can be all right if I do everything they say. Like, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's all right. Yeah, hey, man. I drink a cup of fluoride, pure fluoride every morning. A couple, yeah. a couple shots of fluoride. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you guys, y'all, y'all come hang out around the campfire. We'll talk about Apollo 11 moon landing, but not publicly, apparently. So, um, that's the only one that I ever got in trouble for. Like all this other stuff, all these dog man attacks, all these Bigfoot attacks, all this, all this ghost stuff, whatever. Like it doesn't, they don't care about that, you know, cause I, I look like I'm crazy anyways, uh, I guess. But when it came to that moon landing, no, 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 no. You don't talk about that. That is, that's fascinating. Cause again, you're talking about moon landing and we got a million things to talk about that. We could go, we could go a whole nother three hours talking about the moon landings and everything else involved. Oh, uh, we haven't even gotten to the human cloning thing too. I like to talk about the cloning. So maybe, maybe we can, I'm going to bring y'all on space out radio one night. We're going to talk with you guys for sure. Yeah. We'll be more than happy to come on there. I'd love that. But, uh, Jessica, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We had a blast. I had a feeling it was going to be great, but it is even beyond my expectations. We'll definitely have you on again in the future for sure, and we'll be sure to work with you too. We had an absolute blast. But before we leave, let everybody know again where to find you um, and so they can get to everything you do. Thank you. I've had a blast with you guys. The easiest way to find me, go to thecryptidhuntress.com. That's my website. All of my shows are there. All the events I'm going to be at. I'm actually going to be um, in Las Vegas at the Space Out Radio Fan Party, May 19th through 21st. If you guys want to join me there at the Golden Nugget, I'm going to be broadcasting live from there. And then I go to Grafton, Illinois for the Journey to Truth Conference. I'm going to be presenting on cryptids and remote viewing. May 22nd through the 25th. And then I'm going to be speaking at the Paranormal Roundtable Dogman and Cryptid Conference in Fort Worth, Texas, Labor Day weekend. So I wish you guys should come to that, actually, Sean and Joel. You, you guys should come to that. Uh, that's going to be a huge event, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So y'all come see me live. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's The Cryptid Huntress. Pretty much anywhere on social media, y'all can find me at The Cryptid Huntress. So come find me, please. And thank y'all for having me tonight. And I think I got to get a little serious for a second, you know, like... Because a lot of people don't understand, there's like, there's an epidemic of intergalactical warriors that have just been forgotten. 
You know what I mean? There's these homeless lizard people that are just on the streets now that nobody cares about. And I am putting all my being together to rally you guys together to go to change.org. Help the homeless lizard people, you know what I mean? That's the least you could do. Sign up, leave a comment, and let them know that they're acknowledged. You know what I mean? That's all they want. Yeah, man. I I totally agree with you. Everybody, please go to change.org. Save the homeless reptilians. But I'm going to tell you something, Sean. You know, she's talking about that cube, right? She's talking about how when they were in that cube, it got real hot. Got me a little hot and bothered too, Sean. I started thinking about my baby Jen Saki, all, all, all alone in her in her in her in her mansion, and knowing that her ginger love is supposed to be with my ginger love. She's just waiting for that cube that I put on her finger, Sean. That's it. That's all she's waiting for. We can have our beautiful redheaded Nephilim babies, and we can we can love each other for all the time. And I know everybody out there right now. And I've seen the numbers go up at change.org, bring back Saki Bomb. They're going up. And I need more of you to sign this so she can know, outside of the 100 calls and texts I give her a day, that we're supposed to be together. And you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brat! Brat! Bird killers!
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.